Welcome to Switched On with Paul Moderman and James Wood. Strap in for great chats with super smart people on SAP solutions, Microsoft Azure cloud development, and everything in between. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Switched On with Paul Moderman and James Wood. Coming at you fast and furious today with one of our patented, uh, trademarked, quick flip sessions. We're just, just me and James just, you know, shooting the breeze, hollering at you, giving you, like fresh thoughts right off the dome. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. That's that's great to hear. That's lovely. Um <laughs> with with you know, we on our, on the show, we've kind of adopted a format um uh, slightly format where we 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 kind of go through a process, we do our guests and stuff. And then we we um kind of at the end, we ask people kind of two of the same questions every time. And we thought it would be great if we turn that turn that lens onto ourselves this time. So we'll ask we'll ask each other. We'll get the that 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 uh, information flow from each other for those same future thinking, uh, you know, not quite so tightly tuned to whatever questions. So the first question right off the bat for you, James, is what do people not know about what you do? And the twist for us is that you need to explain this like you're explaining it to your grandma. So tell, <laughs> so I'll be your grandma, and you tell me what people don't understand about what you do. I work in. But computers. first, but first, <laughs> first, you gotta tell me you like my pie. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of like to tell people that I'm an automation engineer. Because I, I really think at the end of the day, that's probably the most apt description of of business software development. Mm. You know, it, it's having worked with people coming from different disciplines. In fact, you know, one of my early SAP projects, I was working with a team of individuals that had come over from, they were literal engineers, like writing embedded systems code, C sharp, oh, yeah. C, yeah. C++, et cetera. And this world short-circuited their brains <laughs> because it, you know, they were used to very precise. Here's my formula, you know, mm. predicate calculus style, yeah. you know, formal methods, proof and everything versus, you know, business kind of, eh, <laughs> right. good enough. Or, you know, this is kind of what I do, except when I don't, um, yeah. you know, and, and so you know, at the end of the day, I, I just think it's, we are, automating parts of day-to-day business processes and sometimes mm-hmm. that takes on the shape of a an app or you know a report or you know whatever but you know it's I, I know we we bring in new hires you know especially ones that maybe come from a, a more techie background you know that mm-hmm. that's something I'm always trying to kind of emphasize because I think that is the part of enterprise software that is unique being that you know <laughs> it's it's about the code for sure, mm-hmm. but it's only about the code when you figure out the other, and, and yeah. the other is what matters. Yeah, I think because I think my own so so fully agree, and that and by the way, as a as a as a newbie, that stuff surprised me too. Like my first programming job in enterprise world, I was like, wait, so it's not exacting, precise, you know, CERN particle collider type stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can put it there or I can just put it there and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> what? That, that didn't make any sense to me. It took a while to kind of figure out. You're so, saying that the supply chain is not built on doubly linked list? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, yeah. You're, in fact, are you saying that you could you could make a thing and not even know what a doubly linked list is? And yeah. 99 out of 100 times, not even care. It wouldn't right. matter. Yeah. The... Because if, like, if I was telling my grandma about what I do and what people don't understand about it, I would say, I would say, I have to make messy human thoughts run in an environment that doesn't tolerate mess. Right? Code doesn't tolerate a mess. Code yeah. eventually you have to write code that that makes a decision. Even if a human is unwilling to make a decision, the code has yeah. to make a decision. So, so grandma, grandma, I have to, I have to wrangle people into saying something is okay. And then I have to make a computer do the thing that we all agreed it should do. And then I have to go get in a fight with them when they <laughs> don't agree that the computer is doing what it should do. Right. Yeah. Because like, because it's like you said, the code, like writing code is, it's sort of the easiest part of the equation, right? Yeah. Because because by the time you write code, you're saying, I have understood the problem well enough to try to make a compiler squeeze it through. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> getting to that place where you understand what you're doing is, is like, is like, that's the journey. That's the mess, you know? And right. even I think I think back to to all the times when I was so excited. I, I was the first person on my team way back when. This will date me for sure. Oof, God! I was the first person on my team back in a like a, a reporting um, the team to use jQuery in the web apps I was writing. Yep. And I was so excited. I was pumped. I built little prototypes of like of like making the UI a little more reactive to things like a little bit easier through jQuery and all that kind of stuff. And like I completely lost sight of that wasn't the hard part. Right? I had like m the model that I had to make for this application to work like deserved way more of my thought and time than did like pressing a button and having a thing slide out with a smooth animation, right? And, yeah. and and all that kind of stuff. That was a complete complete fail on my part. Um, and so so grandma, it, it, my what people don't understand about what I do is that is that I have to I spend way more time talking to people than I do computers. Yeah. Even though my job is to make computers do the thing. That's an yeah. interesting analogy because it. <laughs> I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of really good business analysts in my day. And I think one thing that that's always really interesting when you have that kind of collaboration going on and synergy is how much those two roles can challenge one another. Yeah. You know, on one hand, you know, I think this business analyst has been doing it for 20 years. I know it inside and out. They lay down the process and, you know, it may take my, techie brain a while to wrap my head around you know what it yeah. is that we're talking about but then when we get to that place where it's translated into code i've oftentimes encountered scenarios where i start to make their brain hurt 
<laughs> like, yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, what happens in this? I never thought of that before. You know, certain assumptions, certain, you know, yeah. flows, things like that. It, you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting give and take. And, and I think when it's done well, you know, you can arrive at, at a place where, you know, processes do actually mature and, you know, the, the whole, you know, best that's, run SAP thing. I mean, know? that's, that's so crazy too. I was, one time I was doing a project where it was, it was me and this other guy and we were doing freight cost allocation. Patrick, if you ever listen to this, hi. Um, <laughs> uh, freight cost allocation. And we spent like two or three weeks in like a little whiteboard room in, at, the, at the office uh, drawing things on the board. And I, it was, it was, I learned a ton and it was like, I didn't, I, and I wrote the code after we spent that time in that room. Right. But yeah. one of the, one of the things that I would say and that he learned to predict from me was I can't write code for that. Right. Like he would be describing a thing and drawing things a little bit. And it was amazing. And I understood different ways of doing that cost allocation. Right. But then he'd be like, and yeah, and when we do this enhancement, we got to do this and this. And I'd be like, I can't make code do that. We have to, we have to think about this differently. And mm-hmm. so eventually he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make the code do that. I know, no, no. And it was like that collaboration, like you said, yeah, came together into a, like a new thing. And man, it was, it was magic. It was magic. Yeah. So yeah, it's those, those are the magical moments for sure. Yeah. Like, like that makes it all, I mean, I would gladly sit through, weeks and weeks of not writing any code to get that magic again where like when you're done then the code just goes and it's like boom oh it's the best um okay so the second question the second thing that we always ask people that we're going to sort of whack each other with now is (laughs) (laughs) james what makes you excited for the future code not code software not software just anything. What makes you excited for the future? Uh, if I can ring two bells at once, you know, it, it's it's cloud and low code because I, I think collectively that those tools have enabled, you know, it, well, I'll put it this way. I think they're a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. I, I've talked to, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, anytime you're working in and around computers, you know, your cousin calls you up and says, hey, can you fix my computer? Also have conversations around, hey, I have this small business, this mid-sized business, whatever, you know, like I need software to do this or that. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with one of my neighbors, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, they were a small business at the time, but they're growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. And and they're asking for advice on ERP selection. And the, the reality was that there wasn't a great fit. You know, this is kind of pre-NetSuite and some of yeah, those. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's they had real problems. They had, a, you know, I mean, that that's always kind of the the yeah. the story with yeah. small and mid-sized businesses is they have the same complex problems as big businesses, just less budget yeah. to yeah. you know address them. But um, you know, now I, I think how different that conversation would be. You know, you have tools at your disposal yeah. that, you know, you go from, you know, to to bring in yet another buzzword, digital transformation. Quite frankly, for a lot of customers for in a lot of areas, like that just wasn't a possibility. We all kind of know that these guys out on the shop floor or whatever that are carrying around clipboards, 
that's probably not the most efficient way to do it, but it, you know, it was just sort of assumed that yeah, that's the best there is. There is yeah. no other alternative, and now it, it's like, well, okay, now I've got a ton of options. <laughs> you know, it's almost dizzying the, the yeah. choices that I do have. Yeah, it's true. But I think that that to me, that part of it is very, very exciting because we're no longer constrained. You know, when you put on that creative hat and, and really mm. start to look at digital transformation. Mm. Um, through that lens, you know, that to me gets me, it gets me very excited to think about, you know, basically going back and, and kind of, you know, cleaning up some of the sins of the past. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> that there were a lot of things that we all kind of went in eyes wide open, knowing this is probably not the best way to do this, but you know, it is what it is, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah cl- uh, I, I like that cleaning up the sins of the past. Like that's, that's an interesting take on the the future question, right? In terms of like like going forward, we can clean up what we messed up in the past also. Right? That yeah. that like temporal loop kind of thing going on there where if you didn't break it in the past, you can't fix it in the future kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just you know, that that entry bar. I mean, you know, <laughs> was that movie The Social Network where yeah. you know uh, Mark Zuckerberg is wringing hands over, you know, are we going to be able to afford $300 in server costs? You know, like that, mm-hmm. that problem just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kid in his dorm room somewhere, you know, with, you know, linear or scalable pricing and, you know, all yeah. these kinds of things. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are no barriers anymore. No barriers. Oh my gosh. So uh, now, now I point the gun at my face here. What, what makes me excited for the future? So, because I've been kind of noodling on this because we, 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 we came up with this topic like a like five minutes before we started this episode. So I've been kind of have on like a low, like a low priority thread going in my head of what's the answer to this question. Right? So what you're saying is you cheated. I, I super cheated, dude. <laughs> also, I cheated because I asked you these things first, right? And I gave you the chance to, to like keep, to keep my pr- thread going. So, um, what makes me excited for the future? Are you familiar with those, like you go to the movies or you go to like a fast food joint or whatever, and those soda machines where you just like push the button and you're like, cherry Coke, nah, I want banana Fanta. Nah, I want diet vanilla, you know, root beer or whatever. And it yeah. all comes out of one nozzle, right? It all tastes like cough syrup. I feel like my, I my hate... kids will like mix all the stuff together. Oh, and it's like, oh, <laughs> I, I hate those things. I think that because I'm like I'm be real. I drink soda. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like lecture me later, Mister Dentist. But like I, I, dr- I drink soda and I hate those things. I also like going to the movies. So what I would love to do is know ahead of time that a movie theater uses like the the old school fountain drinks, right? Like where Mountain Dew is Mountain Dew and Pepsi is a thing over here, right? Or whatever the case may be. I And like right now, there's no way to do that. I would love to just say to Siri or to my phone, hey, I want to go to a movie tomorrow, but I don't want those stupid mega fountain drink things. I want a real thing. Book me, book me the latest Star Wars at the nearest theater that has those things. 
and 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 the machinery of deep learning of natural language and all that kind of stuff literally invents an app that goes and does all of those things at once and maybe that app is ephemeral maybe i only need it for that moment but like the thing makes it and it does it and then i get in like five minutes later i get an email saying your tickets for star wars episode 42 right are ready to to go for tomorrow at this place you know five miles away and then that thing is either and then i can either say you know i might want to use this in the future and and siri or whatever just preserves it for me for the future or i don't need it and it goes away because like all of these things we're, we're seeing so many of these like you know you sketch you sketch a screen and take a picture of it and then power apps or whatever or any of the number a number of tools now these days will literally make you a screen for that or you just put like a natural language description of code somewhere and copilot or whatever will just like barf out like working code for that thing yeah i want the next layer of that like i want those all to work together for me to just say the thing i want and have all of those things like slide together produce an app or produce a process that just does it for me and I'm done. I I like, and I don't even have to think about like, did I just make an app or not? Apps like don't exist. It's just pure computronium substrate. That's like doing the thing. And if it needs to continue to exist, it will. And if it doesn't need to continue to exist, it won't. And that's just, and that's just okay for it you know yeah so i i think something like that i'm gonna climb up on my like my ray kurzweil you know soapbox here i think something like that is like literally right around the corner yeah i think things like that are so much closer than people realize and i'm not saying that the same thing as like artificial general intelligence but what i am saying (laughs) is that the things that we have these days that produce like surprising, startlingly good facsimiles of whatever are all going to get swirled together and make those capabilities like in the, in the blink of an eye, like, you know, human lifetime speaking. Right. I think that's a fascinating, fascinating thing about convergence because, you know, a lot of times when people think about AI, you know, the, the, the Holy grail is, is, you know, that, that humanoid robot, brain you know where it, yeah. it's you know we just have this vision of what intelligence looks like and, and it's you know the collective intelligence that you know i think along the way like we've seen value in it but it, you know it was hard to like squint and look into the future and say you know what happens if we have you know computer vision that is you know yeah some percentage of you know 95 97 percent accurate and then you know the ability to uh transcribe voice and you know you start putting all these like sensory type libraries together and weave it and you know i mean even what you were describing it as futuristic as it sounds like in my brain as you're describing i'm like well we could like stack one of these and we could build an mlots pipeline and you know it's like not easy but not far away right yeah yeah and so that's the yeah yeah that's what gets me excited it's also gets me excited about like like my job not being the same 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't mean to knock um, any other profession, right? But being in software is basically a way to guarantee that your job will not be the same in X years for like your whole career. Yeah. You know, that you will always have something you could learn to make yourself immediately not just better. I don't, and I don't mean better as a human, but I mean, just like more like it's a, it's the, it's the ultimate tool making and tools that make tools and tools that make tools that make tools process uh, in the world. And there's, there's just no end to what, because uh, I'm going to get stuck here. Uh, but like when Steve Jobs said that computers ought to be bicycles for the mind, what I think is that well, the way I interpret some of that is to say that like as infinite as your creativity can be, so can computing play along with you eventually in that creativity. Yeah. And so like the, the more we get computers to participate, but also get out of the way in a sense, right. In other words, make computers our collaborators rather than our like you know servants are dumb servants you know what i mean like the more the more the future just opens up to anything you can dream you can you can make yeah <sighs> yeah okay oof i'm going to like i'm going to like weep for the the beauty of the future <laughs> <clears throat> uh okay so th- uh that was uh the switched on a quick flip uh, pointing the pointing the weapon back at ourselves uh, version <laughs> of the of the podcast. We'll get that out there pretty soon. Um, thanks everyone for lie, listening. The business end of that shotgun is uh, a little daunting. When it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally see why our guests are like, oh god, wow, weird question, man. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. Um, <laughs> uh, so we will we will get this out there soon. Um, James, thank you for coming on and, and doing the weird questions. And thank you to our listeners and viewers for stopping by and watching. Bye, everyone.